0: Welcome them in, thank them for joining us, for being a, a part of it this morning, thank you to the worship team as always, Randy the the grand maestro on the piano, you look good behind that piano though. What you don't know is that uh, Randy plays at a jazz bar on, uh, on the weekends. <laughs> he has a little cover, and he plays, like, he plays like Billy Joel songs and stuff, like covers, you know what I mean? He doesn't sing them, but he plays them, right? I'm just kidding. That's not true. Oh, man. Worship is always great, amen? Worship is always, always great. Well, I am super excited and thankful for, yet again, another opportunity to bring a word. I'm thankful to you guys as always for sitting there and bearing through it. You know. I always hope that my messages are of some benefit to you and that the Lord uh, allows me to to just be a vessel for him and you know, use me to to just communicate his word and I'm and I'm super thankful for not only for the opportunities that the that the pastors give me but like I said just for you guys being willing to hear it, you know. But uh, we're, in a, we're in a pretty cool series entitled The Giants Must Fall. Giants Must Fall. For those that don't know, that's actually supposed to be the Statue of David right there, somewhere in Europe. I don't know where in Europe, but that's supposed to be, if you, if you actually look at the full thing, you see like a slingshot and stuff like that. But I couldn't capture that in the image, so you're going to have to bear with me. You guys got your Bibles with you? Yeah? Flip with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. and as always I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation it's one of my personal favorites let me know when you're there you good second Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse number one this is Paul speaking He says, I must go on boasting that there is nothing to be gained by it, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven, whether in body or out of body. I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one thinks more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. pesky giants pesky giants let's pray real quick father god we thank you so much for your word we thank you for waking us up and giving us another day of life lord we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be able to gather yet again as a body of believers to dive into your word and to have you speak to us we pray lord that you soften our minds Open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us, Lord. I pray that you remove distractions, that we can actually zone in, lean in to your word this morning, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you help me to deliver this message as effectively as possible, Lord. May the words that I speak not be mine, but be yours and only yours, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. You know what's, uh, what's super interesting to watch observe is how cyclical life is, or better stated, like how history kind of repeats itself. Now, I don't know if it's like, oh, the older I get, you know, the more I see that, you know, life repeats itself. But I I feel like you could kind of see it across the board. Observe any aspect of life, and I can guarantee you that you'll notice some level of repetitiveness that's just undeniable, right? I'll give you a few examples. So like, take, take music, for example. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't really listen to the radio very much, if ever. I'm either listening to podcasts, or listening to music that I've been listening to for years, you know, or like I'll find like one song off of a video or something, and then, like, I'll, you know, search it that way. But, like, it's not as though I I get into the car and I turn on the radio and I'm listening to it. You want to know why? Because I can't stand commercials. You know what I mean? And then, like, you got, like, the the disc jockey, like, the host that, like, talks, and it's like, I'm not here to hear you, bro. I don't want to hear your words. I want to hear music. And so, you know what's a a good way to kind of get over that? You get Apple Music or you get Spotify, and now I don't have to hear all the stupid things you have to say, and I could just listen to music. Let's pray. I'm going to close now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't listen to the radio much anymore, but, you know, you, you hear, like, modern, like, pop songs, like, songs that are super popular nowadays, and it's, they sound like music from, like like, the 80s or, like, the early 90s. You know what I mean? Like, there's a song... And i bear with me now. Don't judge me, but like, you know, there's a song by by the weekend. Everybody here knows the weekend. I get it. He's you know, the the, the we're not talking lyrics here, I'm just talking this musical. There's a song that um uh the the melody's like ding, ding, doo-dum, 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 uh blind ab- uh I'm blind ab-. stop saying it, you heathens. No. If <laughs> If you if you hear that song like the synthesizers and stuff, I'm sorry, but that is 80s all the way. Like that's what's super popular right now, but you listen to it and that's like I'm sorry, but that reeks of just 80s pop. That the you know that way back, you know, those cool little synthesizers like aha, you know the take on me. All that stuff is just making its way back. Are were you about to start singing? Let's give one. Come on, come on. Right here. That's that. <laughs> we'll do karaoke one time and, I <laughs> and he hits it, man, that's, that's what, <laughs> that's a great song, that's a great song, super 80s, you know, like, and the music video is funny because it's like cartoon and like real life, you know, but the synthesizer is what makes it that, I was actually listening to that in the car the other day, Honest Admission, and I was jamming to it, because it's a banger. But you hear these songs, and it's like, man, that's super 80s. Super 80s. I'll give you another example, Bruno Mars. We all know Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars has made his money off of doing what? Bringing funk, like that 70s, like boom, 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 that heavy bass, like, funky sound. He just brought it into the 2000s. And everybody here is mind blown. Little do we know that we had like, you know, all these old funk singers, you know, like these soul, like, 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 you know, a uh, soul train, like watch an episode of soul train and you would swear that you saw Bruno Mars in there somewhere. He just died and came back to life as Bruno or something like that. But like, it's just, it's just a cycle. That's all it is. Like it was super popular then. And then like here we are in 2020 the where are we 2022 and, and it's just, you know, but it's the same sound. It's the same bass lines, it's the same funk, it's the same synthesizers, it's all, it's all the same thing. Just life repeated, just a new face. I'll give you another example. Now, look at fashion, and I'm no fashionista. I mean, look at me. I've been wearing these boots for years, all right? I'm no fashionista, but I, I, I do like to observe. Have you noticed how like, like high-waisted jeans have become like a thing now? Like mom jeans. I'm talking about mom jeans. I got an approval here. Mom jeans. I saw my mom wear those jeans. You know what I mean? Like, and they come up to here, but like, Super popular now like you see them all the time that those the waist, or maybe even like the like the baggier clothes baggier clothes Was a little bit more popular like maybe early 2000s. It was kind of like punkish almost You know what I mean? Like the baggy jeans like the big floppy shirt and all that stuff that stuff's making its way back You know, it's just it's just rolling right back around and and we're seeing it and it's you know, it's Everybody thinks it's new. That ain't new bro. That was 90s the early 90s women were wearing those jeans you know, the baggy stuff, that's just early 2000s. People think you're cool now. Like, you ain't cool, man. You just stole what happened in the early 2000s. You know what's really bad? Is I've been seeing a lot of mullets and mustaches. Look at, look at, the, look at the disapproval across the board. That's making its way back. Unfortunately, times are hard. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a guy earlier this week. I saw a guy, and I and I promise you, look, I'm standing on the pulpit. I'm not gonna lie to you. This joker had a perm, like a straight up perm. You know the curls, like like, like this dude sat under one of those things. You know what I mean? I don't know what they do. The, the little like you know, like a it's like yeah, but it's curly and it's like it's like poofy. Dude, a perm, an afro. I saw I actually saw an afro earlier this week, and it was enormous. Well, it's just making its way back. This is life. This is life. It literally just, it's just making its way back around. It's the same thing we've seen. It's the same thing my parents saw. It's the same thing my grandparents saw. We're just in 2022 and we're happening happening to see it again. On a more serious note, look at the world as a whole, right? Look at the world as a whole. We have conflict overseas and we have tension with major world powers, You know, you get real dark, there's talks of, like, World War III, which is a horrid thing to think about. And there's the threat of nuclear war. You know, countries are, like, tense. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, a standoff. Everybody's kind of, like, looking at each other. You know what I'm saying? But truth be told, it's not as though this has never happened in the past. We've had this happen in the past. There have been moments when tension was very, very high, I mean, I, I wasn't around during those times, but you know, there's stories of, of nuclear drills, of students getting under their desks because out of fear of what if, you know, there was a nuclear attack. I believe that was in the Cold War era. But like what I'm saying is that this, this is not new. This is, this is not a new thing for us. It's just new now. But we've been here before. Countries literally just sitting with their finger on the trigger trying to see who blinks first. We've been here. It's, it's just life repeating itself. And that's exactly what it does. Life repeats itself constantly. In Ecclesiastes 1.9, it says it best. It says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything we see is literally just a new iteration of something that's been done before. Just a, a new version of it. It's been modified. It's been changed a little bit or, or, or drastically, but it's an extension of something that we've seen, that we've experienced, that we've, you know, that that's been had. Look at the progression of cell phones. You know, we have smartphones, but the, ultimately the smartphone is literally just an extension of a phone that used to be a giant brick back in the day. Except that now you could check emails and send text messages and you could FaceTime with people. But like this is, it's not as though it's new. It's new, yes, but it's just new for now. But it's It's literally just an extension of something that we've already seen. Amen? Nothing new under the sun, whether whether good or bad. And it's the reason that Winston Churchill once said, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it, which is a particularly ominous quote, given the fact, if I could be straight with you, that we have an up-and-coming generation that is really captured and distracted by their phones and social media and every new social issue that arises than they are with the actual history of the world and things that have happened in the past. And what we're failing to see is that the underlying struggle here, oftentimes is just a struggle for power. And it ultimately leads not to the betterment of society, which is the promise, but to tyranny and control and you know, just control, whether it's speech, whether it's an action, we've seen this before. Those that have come from say Cuba or any, other, any country that has experienced some level of tyrannical control, we've seen how it starts very gently and starts very social and progresses into something that kind of just loses itself. And so to a younger generation, I say, bro, open up your history books. And don't allow yourself to be so naive to think this time will be different. Because humanity is humanity. And people are broken and fallen and selfish. And so as long as people are broken and selfish, they will do selfish things. Nothing is new. Amen? Well, that got dark. <laughs> Last week, uh, Pastor Yvette laid down uh, a framework for us for the existence of giants in the Old Testament. You get your mind blown a little bit. Talked about the Nephilim. That's wild. The offspring of fallen angels and human women. If you don't believe me, just open up your Bible. Genesis chapter 6 says the Nephilim, Genesis 6-4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men were of old, the men of renown. It's pretty wild to think. We don't really delve into this subject too too much, but it happened. It occurred. It's written in scripture. Interestingly though, that 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 scene that what we just read, Genesis 6 actually happens right before the flood of Noah. And the flood of Noah obviously was meant to wipe evil from the earth. Part of that evil was this intermingling of angel and human. It's not what God intended. It was never what God intended. That was an abomination. And so what does he do? He wipes down the earth. We have the flood. Amen. So the flood happens and they're wiped out. But then we hear about these people again. In Numbers 13.33, this is when Moses sends out the spies to scope out the land of Canaan, and they come back with the following report. I think we have it here. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up and once again occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel, a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out, though which we have gone to spy it out, it is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height, and there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. And so now you got to imagine, these guys are trying to spy out the land, the land that's Flowing with milk and honey, I mean just good land. And what do they see? These enormous giants. And they think to themselves, maybe not. Maybe we'll circle back around or we'll send some other people. But we are like grasshoppers. We seem microscopic, minuscule, tiny in comparison to these enormous giants. So we have the flood. Wipes them out. Happen to continue on which is another topic. And here we see them in Numbers. Eventually Joshua takes Canaan in numerous conquests and they're slaughtered. But then we have David that ends up confronting a giant of his own. It's believed that Goliath was a distant descendant of the Nephilim, hence the reason that he was so enormous. He was so big. And so... What we're seeing here is the same story, the same people, the same issue, just kind of come up again and again and again. And they're dealt with, but then they come back. And then they're dealt with, and then they come back. They're pesky, they're incessant. People don't stop. You see, we don't don't face physical giants nowadays. In 2022, we're not dealing with physical giants, but we do face challenges and difficulties in our lives that sure do feel like giants. They really do feel like giants. Additionally, we might feel as though we're facing the same giant over and over and over and over again, or perhaps a new iteration of the same giant. And so what do we do? We we take it to the Lord and... We pray about it, and I'm going through this thing. You know, we get the pastors involved. We take it to the altar. And for a time, that giant is defeated. We might see some victory, experience some victory. But a few weeks later, maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe a few years, that pesky giant decides to show back up, except this time he may look a little different, or he might not. I'm talking to those that are that are and have been battling with something for a while. I'm talking to those that have been perhaps wrestling, struggling, dealing with a challenge, with an addiction, with a struggle, with a giant in your life that when it seems as though he's gone for good, as though I brought him to Jesus, as though this is it, we've won. I'm done with this, I've wiped my hands clean of it. I have defeated this giant in my life, very much like David uh, defeated Goliath. I have finally found victory over this giant in my life. What do you know? The giant comes waltzing back in to bring more problems or different problems. I say to those, that are dealing with a giant such as that, that you're in good company. That you're in good company. You see, the apostle Paul had what he labeled a thorn in his side. Call it a, a thorn, call it a giant, call it a mountain. I don't care what you call it. It's that thing that doesn't freaking go away. a thing that you wrestle with and fight with all the time. And you suppress it, and you could suppress it for some time, and I have a a few good weeks, and I have a few good months, but, man, it just wiggles its way back there, and what do you know? I'm dealing with this thing again. You know, we never find out what the thorn is for Paul. We don't, and I'm really happy that we don't, because if we did, we'd probably say, oh, yeah, well, that was, uh, Paul was dealing with that. What I'm dealing with is very different, and so that doesn't apply to me. So I like that he keeps it open ended because it's almost like insert here, whatever that giant is, insert here, insert that. That is the thorn in your flesh that you have been wrestling with, that you have been dealing with. Maybe it was something physical for Paul. Maybe it was like an ailment, a disease. Who knows? Doesn't matter. It's beside the point. What we do know is that Paul asks the Lord to remove it three times, three stinking times. And you want to know what God does? He doesn't remove it. He just, he just doesn't remove it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a tough pill for me to swallow. That's a really tough pill for me to swallow, specifically because it's God making the conscious decision to not remove something that I'm struggling with. Not remove this figurative thorn in the flesh. And I'm looking at Paul. And I can't help but think, man, if there's anybody, anybody, anyone at all, wait, man, that should have deserved getting a thorn taken out of his side, it's probably Paul. I mean, the guy took more beatings than I can imagine. The guy was in prison. The guy did, I mean, just enormous things for the faith as a whole. And yet this man, this man could not get the thorn removed from his side. God would not remove it. All that God would tell Paul is that my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So that doesn't make for fun preaching. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some messages that aren't necessarily fun to preach. That right there is not fun to preach. Because it's a heck of a lot more fun to preach saying, you know what? The giants in our lives are defeated in Jesus' name, and they'll never return again. Amen. And we all say amen, and we stand up, and we cheer, and we hoop, and holler, and then we go, and we go to Pizza Hut, and we enjoy the rest of our Sunday. That's so much easier and so much better. And to be quite honest with you, I would love to do that because that is fun preaching. But it's not Bible preaching, though. That's not Bible preaching. I would be doing a disservice if I cut it there. Because it's not the reality of how our faith often looks. Bible preaching is not easy. Christian living is not easy. Christian living is understanding that sometimes we have a thorn in our flesh, a pesky giant in our life that God will refuse to completely remove. Mm. I don't like that. I don't like that. So let's glean from Paul. What's our response? What do we do, right? Well, we could do one of two things. We could sit here and we hear the message and then you get mad at me. You say, bro, really? I I was hoping to get like, I don't know, motivated. Well, newsflash, this isn't a motivational message. Go read a book or something. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I was really hoping to, you know, get pumped up. I'll pump you up with some truth. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you how it is. No, we could do one of two things. We could, we could get mad at God. That's easy. That comes really easy to us, right? We could get angry at the fact that this stupid giant continues to show up in our life. We could just get mad, angry, like, hello? What's the deal? Why can't you deal with this thing? Take it away. Get it out of here. I don't understand. Like, you're seeing me me battle with it. You're seeing me struggle with it. Why haven't you removed it? We could get mad at God. We could get angry at the fact that we'll experience a victory. We do. It says in a word, His grace is sufficient. We can experience a victory in the moment. And we could be good for a week, a month, a year, only to find that the giant takes shape in a different way sometime later. We could get we could get mad at the fact that ridding ourselves of this struggle, addiction, doubt, uh, difficulty, whatever it is seems like an impossible task we could just be mad at God because, just, because being mad is easy and it's, and it's you know we don't have to try really hard. We might as well get mad at somebody if I'm going to point at somebody and, and point the blame at somebody and just be upset at the fact that I have this thing going on in my life, I might as well point at God because why didn't he take it away? Or we could find purpose for the giant. We could find purpose for this pesky giant. Said differently, we could look beyond the giant and see what the real problem is. We'll see what the real problem is. So in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul makes a stunning, a stunning admission. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So the issue here is that Paul had a proclivity for arrogance, for pride. And rightfully so, he was educated, he was well respected, he was wildly intelligent. He's getting these revelations from God. He has all the reason in the world to be prideful and to be arrogant and to feel real good about himself. He had an ego, right? We got to understand that before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul, and Saul was very respected in Jewish leadership. Very respected. In Jewish leader. I mean, he studied at the best institutions under the best historians. This guy was the guy. If anybody had an ego, if anybody had reason to have an ego, it was this guy. For sure it was Paul. But to suppress that ego so that he doesn't go with a blown up head as though look at what I've done, a thorn was placed in his side. That thing, that ailment, that struggle was there to level him out, to level him out. It kept him completely reliant on God. He couldn't lean upon his own power and strength and knowledge. The thorn wouldn't allow it. It wouldn't allow it. It kept him at his knees. It kept him, it kept him before the Lord, this thorn that he asked to be removed. Because without that thorn, Paul was going to be Paul. Paul was going to do Paul things, and Paul was going to resort to being conceited. That's the reason for the thorn. That's the reason for the giant that doesn't, that doesn't go away kept them humble before the Lord. I, um, I've had giants that I've wrestled with for years that I still wrestle with today. None of us are exempt from this. I don't care where you are, where you're from, how what your testimony is. I I it makes no difference to me. Every single one of us has giants that we're dealing with. Some of us are really good at hiding it than others. Some of us wear that giant on our sleeve and 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 wear the the emotional damage that that giant causes on our sleeve, but but we all have it. Dig deep enough and you'll find it. We all have a giant that we're dealing with. One of those giants for me personally was and has been and is fear. Fear. I've wrestled with fear since I was a kid. Since I was a kid. Um, And I'll I'll show you how it's played out. I'm not the tallest guy. (laughs) There's not. Have you seen my cousin, Nicole? I'm not saying she's Nephilim, but she's pretty big. (laughs) Just kidding. She's pretty big, Thea. you gotta admit. She got... Now have you seen her husband though? That joker could touch the roof. No, I've, I've, always, I've always been the, the small guy of the group, you know? My dad's not very tall. Really pretty much everybody on my dad's side of the family is pretty short. This side of the family's taller. Look at my Thea Charlotte, she's tall. The Orly's taller too. He's also a black belt in Judo, so he could kill you with a spoon. Um, <laughs> So I was always the smallest guy in the class. And as a guy, as a boy growing up around other boys that are growing and getting stronger, that weighs upon you. You're much more inclined, it's easier for you to get bullied, which I experienced. Like I I had that happen throughout middle school, even in elementary school, you're the small guy. And when you're the small guy, the bigger guy messes with the small guy. And so I was always super fearful to defend myself, to be quite honest with you, because I felt as though I couldn't. I'm small. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm i am not as big as you guys. I can't fight like you guys. And back in middle school, every, fighting is like the thing to do in middle school because like, I don't know, everybody thinks they're tough. And I was petrified of somebody ever trying to pick a fight with me because I felt as though like if somebody picks a fight with me, chances are meh, eight, eight, nine times out of 10, they're going to be bigger than I am because I'm, I, I don't got a whole lot to stand on right now. And so I experienced this, this fear as a, as a kid. experienced it all the time, all the time in classes and when people would mess with me and stuff like that. I was scared to stand up for myself. I was scared to defend myself just because I knew I, I knew I felt. I, I, it's not, I, I, I just, I didn't think I could. I didn't think I could. Um, the older I got, that fear became something different. That giant became something different. Um, it changed from fear of others to uh, fear of the future. You know, fear fear of the unknown, fear of not amounting to anything, not doing anything good or valuable or decent or productive with my life, fear of wasting, you know. You're going through college, and you're hoping you're studying the right thing. And if you don't study the right thing, and I get into the wrong field, and I can't make any money, and if I can't make any money, I can't provide for my family, and I don't want my family to be broken. I can't. What if I? What if I want to take the kids to Disney? I can't do that because I picked a, a stupid profession or something. And what if I just? What if I'm just a loser my whole life? Like what, what? You just just fear, just like what if? What if this all fails? What if I? What if I'm out of luck here? What if this just doesn't work? What? Just fear, just fear of the unknown, fear of just not knowing. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen fear fear so we went from fear of people to fear of just circumstances fear of the future fear of not amounting to anything and now now the giant in my personal life has morphed into something even greater and far more pungent for me personally in fact i would argue that the giant that i deal with now is i'm sure a giant that very many of you many of you are very familiar with the giant that i deal with now is perhaps the hairiest and the strongest, and the most difficult that I've dealt with. You see, while all the other variations of giants still exist in my head in some capacity, and they still put up a fight, the biggest fight I've had is with the giant of being a parent. Because all of those that are parents understand that you could do anything to me. You could do anything to me. But don't ever touch my children. Don't ever touch my kids. So I'm gonna be straight with you. And I wasn't gonna talk about this because I I don't I don't want to, but I'm gonna bring it up to you because this is this is what it is. What happened in Texas wildly affected me. Wildly. Like deeply. Now granted, I've we've experienced, we've seen those things, and they're they affect you and they hurt. And the times that they've happened in the past, I I wasn't a parent. And so you you watch it and you're like, God, that's awful, man. That's terrible. But this time around, when I have a three-year-old that talks to me and loves me and hugs me and gets excited when he sees me, when I have a child that I know will be going to school soon, and to hear about something like that happening, to hear about fourth graders having their lives extinguished, that, that really, really tormented me. Truly, I mean just deeply, deeply hurt because I cannot fathom losing a child, I can't. The greatest fear I've ever experienced in my life is that fear of my kids. God, do not touch my kids. You could do whatever you want, cause me all the pain in the world, but do not touch my children. Don't touch them. Don't, do not touch them. So, fear, as it relates to the well being of my kids has been the biggest giant I've been fighting, like now. Right now, right now. But as much as I hate to say it, and I don't want to acknowledge it, perhaps it may have been difficult for Paul to acknowledge it, I think that giant represents something. Because when I look past that giant, what I see is my proclivity to put my trust in something outside of god. well what that giant has forced me to do is to look within myself. because my fear of everything that i've just mentioned i believe is simply a byproduct of my lack of trust that god will watch out for my well-being, for my future, for my family, and for my children. What this pesky giant has forced me to do is to turn toward God in the same way that it kept Paul from being conceited. It's forced me to look at God and say, God, I found a hole in my faith. In this moment, I'm finding difficulty to trust you with my kids. That's what this giant has forced me to do. And I hate it. I hate it. Cause I would much rather go to God and say, God, take this stupid fear away from me and it be gone. I would love for that to be the case. And for me to just have trust and faith and just, yeah, it's, we're good, I'm good, I'm, I'm squared away. But that's not the case. I stand before you petrified as a parent because you love so deeply but I stand before you saying, you know what? This giant has forced me to do this giant that I wrestle with. It forces me to acknowledge and confront my lack of trust in the God that I'm preaching to you about right now. That's what it's forced me to do. It's challenging me to check my trust, to check my faith, to say, hey, This whole thing that you preach about, is it real? Here's a new element. Here's a new twist to the thing. You've been cool, and you can have faith in the past, but here's a new variable. Can you trust me now in this way? When everything around us is shaken, can I trust in this, in this capacity? That's what this giant has done. The same stupid giant that had me fearing people in fifth grade and sixth grade, the same giant that tormented me when I was in high school and college, causing me to wonder what the heck am I gonna do with myself? What am I gonna do with my life? Am I chasing a dead end? That same giant has now morphed into, now you're a parent. So let's talk about those kids. It's the same giant. And like the Nephilim showed up time and time again, and how this thorn in the flesh just continued to reappear and reappear. Here we have a giant that shows up just different ways, different ways. And I experience victory, and it suppresses, and it goes away. But then life happens, and he shows back up. It's a pesky giant. A pesky giant. The title of our series is Giants Must Fall. And that's pretty faith-filled as it should be. The reality is that giants do fall, sometimes only to get back up. Sometimes they don't get back up for a while. Sometimes they fall only for, you know, a new one to appear. Sometimes they don't disappear entirely, but they will. When we stand before the Lord, they will. But as so long as we are in a sinful world, as so long as we're surrounded by man that is distant from God, we will experience giants. It's just the case. It's just how it is. And so what do we do? We trust in the fact that God's grace is sufficient. And if you're fighting a giant right now, his grace is sufficient enough to win that battle. But you can rest assured, church, as much as I hate to say it, that you could win this battle. And you will. You will. If you put your faith in the Lord, if you allow his grace to be sufficient, you will win this battle. But don't for a moment think that that giant won't come up in about a month to try you again. In about a year to try you one more time. In about five years to try you. Let's see how how you've grown now. Maybe when the circumstances are different. Maybe when something in life has altered or changed. Maybe you're in a new place of life. So now that same giant that you knocked down years ago has just shown back up. He just looks a little bit different now, but it's the same stinking giant. Church, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for the battle that you're in right now. His grace is sufficient for the battle that you're going to experience tomorrow. His grace is sufficient for the battle that you're going to experience 10 years from now. His grace is sufficient for the giants in your lives. But I— Urge you, I implore you to not get so stuck on the giant, but perhaps look past the giant and consider what is it that this giant represents. Perhaps this giant is just a representation of my lack of trust in God. Perhaps this giant is just a representation of my pursuit of 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 fulfillment in something that I shouldn't be trying to find fulfillment in. Perhaps this giant—I don't know what it is in your life that. That is for you to figure out. That is for you to sit there in a moment of silence between you and the Lord and question and wonder and try to discover. But I urge you, church, look past the giant because I can guarantee you that you will find something in your faith that it represents. For Paul, it was being conceited. For me right now, it's my inability to trust sometimes. I don't know what it is for you. But I guarantee you that it's not just about the giant. It's not just about the issue. It's about what that issue represents. Maybe it's financial. I just can't seem to get ahead. Maybe you haven't been able to apply structure in your life and order in your life and self-control in your life. Maybe the issue is self-control. It's not the giant, it's your inability to control. To, like the fruit of the Spirit, control and allow God to be the one that meets your needs and allow God to be the one that shows you and teaches you and changes you and molds you. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But what I do know is that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And if you allow him to win this battle, you can rest assured that just as we sang before, he won't fail. He won't fail you now he won't fail you in the next one. Can you stand with me this morning? The giants in our lives are pesky, pesky. They come back and they'll come back and they'll come back. What it says in the scriptures that he uses all things for the good of those who love him. So can it be that God is so incredibly brilliant that he could use something like a giant to point you towards him? Because maybe if that giant wasn't there in the first place, we would be doing something that would otherwise destroy us, destroy our faith, keep us in bondage. So what's, what was done is there's a, there's a thorn in your flesh. God, I hate it. But weirdly, it keeps me humble. I don't know how it works. I do know how it works. Because if that thorn wasn't there, I know me. I know what I would do. I know my proclivities. I know me better than anyone does. And if that thing isn't there, that keeps me on my face, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna assume that I got it all together. And I'm gonna do whatever it is that I please. Because I'm chilling, It's nothing. There's nothing keeping me broken. There's nothing keeping me before the Lord. So maybe the giant serves a purpose. And God, I hate it when he shows up. But oftentimes when he shows up, it's just to show me something about myself. Show me something about my faith. Maybe, maybe the giants are necessary sometimes because without the tension, we don't grow without the challenge. Our faith doesn't grow without the challenge, the pushback. How is it that we are to think that God is a provider. If you're not put into a position where God needs to provide, God is a healer. Okay. Have you experienced sickness in your life? No. Okay. Well now you're going to experience some sickness so that God can show you that he's a healer. You wouldn't have known that unless you experienced the sickness in the first place. I trust God okay okay that's good I'm glad you trust God well do you trust God in this capacity though how about when it pertains to this Ricky how does it how does that trust work for you when you are frightened to death on what to do with your kids because you see how vile this world is do you trust in everything else but just not here and so here you're gonna put your hand in and try to control this If so, then bro, don't get on stage and preach. Be consistent across the board. You're either in or you're out. I don't know. But You see, none of that would come up. None of these questions would arise unless that stupid giant, that pesky giant that doesn't go away didn't show back up. So maybe there's something to it. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know, you know. But I guarantee you there's more to it. Maybe it's shame, doubt, insecurities, whatever it is, I can guarantee you that if you take it before the Lord, he'll show you that his grace is sufficient for it. Let's bow our heads this, this morning. God, it's, it sometimes doesn't make sense how you challenge us sometimes. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You know, your word is, is sometimes uh, tough to deal with, tough to, tough to swallow. Hearing that Paul had a thorn in his side that you wouldn't remove. Well, we come to you this morning and we recognize the fact that we have giants in our lives that have not been removed. If you're here this morning and you say to me, Ricky, there's a giant in my life that I've been squaring up with for years. Raise your hand with me. Raise your hand with me. Look at that. It's the whole stinking room. Room fighting something, fighting something, something that just does not seem to go away. Thank God that his grace is sufficient. And thank God that there is more to that giant than meets the eye. God, I thank you for the boldness of every person here that just rose their hand to acknowledge the fact that there is a giant in their life that they have been fighting for some time. And I recognize the fact, God, that us as a collective body sometimes don't understand why does this thing continue to show up? It just keeps showing up, Lord. Father, I pray for every person here that is confused and uncertain and just hates the fact that this pesky giant continues to show up. Lord, I pray for, I pray for them. Lord, I ask you that you reveal what that giant represents. If it's a lack of faith, if it's a lack of Doubt, or if it's doubt, if it's if it's uncertainty, if it's not trusting, if it's just well, I don't. God knows what it is, Lord. You know, God. But I pray that you reveal it to each and every one of us, Lord, so that we can actually deal with what's at hand—not the giant, but what it represents in our lives; not the thorn, but what the thorn represents, Lord. Jesus. We come to you and we say, thank you, Lord, that you challenge us. We acknowledge the fact that it's not as though you make it easy for us. But we also recognize the fact that through this challenge, through these difficulties, through these giants, you're shaping us and molding us into the person that we are designed and meant to be, Lord. So I pray that you help us trust in the fact that though this giant may put up a fight, your grace is sufficient. It's sufficient to win the battle and it's sufficient to reveal to us why exactly we're fighting it to begin with. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you that your grace is sufficient. that your grace is sufficient, Lord. Thank you that you give us the strength and the boldness and that you fight our battles, Lord. When the giants show up, you fight our battles, God. Now, if you're here this morning and you say to me, Ricky, man, I've never accepted Jesus into my, my heart. I've never asked him to be the Lord and savior of my life. I've never made the conscious decision to follow him. Or Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I was following him, but I fell off the wagon. I just, you know, I I started doing things my own way. And here I am again, recognizing that, you know what? I I need to come back to him. I need to get myself squared away. I need to begin to follow Jesus once again. If that is you, and for those that are watching online as well, if that is you, would you just raise your hand with every eye closed and every head bowed? And we're just going to pray together as a church body. We're just going to believe together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. Lord. Can we pray this together as a church body? Father God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for that sacrifice. We invite you into our heart, into our lives. We choose to follow you today. We make you the Lord and Savior of our life. Guide us, protect us, and teach us as we walk this life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's clap it up for those that accepted Jesus for the first time today or rededicated their lives. I'm going to pray us out. But I... Can I urge you, church, look past it. Look past the giants in your lives. Don't continue to fight the same battle blindly. Open your eyes to see what's, what is it? What is it about this thing that you're fighting? What is God trying to show you? What is he trying to, what information is he trying to to get to you? God, I thank you so much again for this morning, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness and your grace, Father. I pray that you give us the wisdom, Lord, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding to see our battles as not just battles, Lord, but means by which to grow our faith, our trust, and our walk with you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we walk out differently than the way that we walked in, Father God. I pray that tomorrow when we go to work, or maybe even today when we head back home to our families, Father God, if the giants in our lives show up, Father God, that we just don't look at them as though they are just some giant, but rather a representation of something that needs to be changed in our lives, God. I pray, Lord, that we go into the fight with wisdom, Lord, knowing that there is something to be corrected, something to be modified. You are trying to communicate something to us, God. And I pray above all, Lord, that we go into every fight with all the giants that show up in our lives, the pesky ones, the ones that come up time and time and time again. I pray, Lord, that we go into every battle knowing that you are the one that fights for us and your grace is sufficient for us in every circumstance God we thank you Lord because you have given us victory today you gave us victory yesterday and you will give us victory tomorrow and for generations and generations we will experience victories that's not to say we won't experience fights but we will experience victories Lord we thank you for it Jesus it's in your name we pray amen amen and amen love on somebody while you're heading out today